Hello. My name is Tapium7, and this is the Commercial Awareness Podcast, Episode 49. First, some headlines. In an update to Germany easing lockdown provisions, consumer behavior has been subdued, as you can imagine, indicating that a retail rebound is likely to take a while. And speaking of retail, Kath Kidston is closing all 60 of its UK stores and cutting 900 jobs in a rescue deal, which involves a permanent shift to online only in the UK. Shoesmiths and Mayor Brown are advising on the restructuring. For the first time in history this past week, US oil prices went below zero, which meant that producers were paying buyers to take oil. As part of your weekly law firm response update, Dentons has asked all employees to undertake a four-day work week for six months starting in June, with partners also taking a 20% cut in drawings for the same period. Travers Smith has cut partner drawings by 25% with immediate effect, but will continue to pay up to 100% of the salaries of furloughed employees, including cleaning staff. And finally, Downing Street has said that the UK will not be extending the EU transition period even with the stumbling blocks COVID-19 presents, meaning the UK has about eight months of negotiating time to prevent a no-deal Brexit and a cliff-edge date at the end of the year. If you'd like to read more on any of these stories, links as always are in the description. The format this week is two longer reads. The first of the longer reads is that in real estate news, and an update to episode 45 about Primark refusing to pay rent, and in a way, episode 47's story of Debenhams' light-touch administration, commercial landlords in the UK have been banned until 30 June from demanding rent arrears from their tenants. So, as we spoke in episode 45 about Primark just refusing to pay rent and how some commercial landlords have been ready to negotiate, while others have been less accommodating, the government has now banned commercial landlords from sending tenants statutory demands, formal requests for payments, or any winding-up petitions. So, what is a statutory demand? What is a winding-up petition? Well, in episode 47, we spoke of how administration is the lifeline before winding up. Lifeline because, alternatively, a creditor can seek to wind up the company, ending the company's business. Again, the path is dependent on the health of the company and sometimes the dynamic of the relationship between the creditor and debtor. So, if a company owes a debt, a creditor can file a statutory demand, which is a formal written demand for a payment of a debt within 21 days. If the debtor doesn't pay within those 21 days, and if the debt exceeds £750, that is evidence that a debtor is unable to pay its debts, which is grounds for a winding-up petition. And so, what's a winding-up petition? It's in the name, really, but it's an application to the court to have a company wound up or put into compulsory liquidation. It would be the end of the company's business. That's the company now ceasing trading and selling off assets to pay back its creditors. So, it would be pretty serious for a landlord to do this. A lawyer would usually advise that this is a last resort and any form of dispute resolution is better to negotiate late or non-payment of a debt. However, this has actually been a tactic used by commercial landlords in this time, not necessarily with the intent of ending a company's business, but to get them to pay some sort of rent. Fashion and homeware retailer Matalan was issued with a winding-up petition from its landlord, but since then, they have settled the rent dispute privately. Now, that may sound extreme, but it appears that Matalan's landlords are not alone. Into Properties, for example 
who we spoke of in episode 45 and what they were doing to mitigate the loss of profits for their tenants, actually threatened some of its tenants with a statutory demand, saying it had, quote, neither the desire or financial capacity to bankroll global, well-capitalized brands who have just decided they don't want to pay their rent, end quote. And a quote like that does add a shade of gray into this discussion. There are definitely some tenants who require such a government ban. We spoke of Jeremy Joseph in episode 45, owner of the GAY nightclubs in Soho and in Manchester, discussing his frustration over the rent he owed, with no way for his clubs to make money during these times and his landlords refusing to waive or discount the rent. You'd imagine that a ban on statutory demands and winding up petitions would make those landlords more willing to negotiate. On the other hand, though, multinational corporations with strong online presence and furloughed staff having their wages paid by the government are in a better position to pay some sort of rent, you could argue, but may have used this situation to just not. Landlords may have even been willing to reduce rent payments, but that can't be negotiated if the tenants won't even come to the negotiating table unless they've been issued a winding up petition, and that is now banned. So this is let us see the other side of the debate. Once again, that is always important as lawyers often represent both landlords and tenants, especially commercially. So a question I have for you at this point is, do you think we have found a good middle ground for commercial landlords and tenants in terms of rights and negotiating power? If not, do you think the situation now favors landlords or tenants more? Now, to speak more on why it matters for commercial awareness, I'd like to mention three points in particular. For the first point, sometimes commercial awareness is not necessarily about firm impact or where the firm can find business. Sometimes it is just about knowing what's going on. We've spoken of the failings of the high street, exacerbated during this time, and this ban on winding up petitions can be viewed as a regulatory effort to prevent even more closures. You can pair it with the mortgage payment holiday and even the furlough scheme. It's just important to note that. Indirectly, though, it would also mean that a firm's client pool of retail clients is at less risk of shrinking when compared to how it would be if landlords were filing winding up petitions left, right, and center. But I think it's more important to view it from the former perspective rather than the latter. The second point is a revisit to that prediction of a rise in administration work for lawyers as companies seek moratoriums to prevent creditor action from episode 47. A ban on landlord action may mean that such a tactic will be used less than predicted. However, with the Kath Kidston headline, I still do think that administration, insolvency, and restructuring work will be on the rise for lawyers for months to come. Landlords aren't the only creditors, and rent is not the only financial worry for some of these companies. The third point is, since the government has banned certain landlord action, lawyers in the insolvency and real estate teams will be even more hamstrung when they advise landlords over what actions they have available, and they may need to get creative in their solutions. So, to conclude, I'll ask the questions again and add one more. Do you think we have found a good middle ground for commercial landlords and tenants in terms of rights and negotiating power? If not, do you think the situation now favors landlords or tenants more? And do you think the landlords seeking the winding up orders were extreme? Why or why not? Closing on this question allows us to consider that sometimes there are legal options that are available, but not always advisable. This takes us quite seamlessly to the next and final story for this episode, and that is of Shake Shack and the trouble they have stirred up for themselves this past week. But first, credit for this story goes to Joanna Partridge. 
Now, on to Shake Shack, beginning with an apology for that shake and stir introduction to the story, It Won't Happen Again. The story is based in the USA, but has applicable lessons across the pond as well. The U.S. had a rescue package for small businesses in place called the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP. It would allow small businesses, businesses with fewer than 500 employees, to apply for a forgivable loan to prevent laying off staff. Now, Shake Shack's lawyers found that the law behind this loan had a loophole. Though Shake Shack is arguably not a small business, it being publicly listed with 8,000 employees and over $600 million in revenue, it could be eligible for a loan through this program. How exactly? Well, they found that the loan could be applied for if each location they operated at employed fewer than 500 people. With each Shake Shack restaurant in the U.S. employing about 45 employees each, they applied and were granted a $10 million loan. Public outcry ensued, especially after the PPP ran out of money for what you could call actual small businesses. Due to the public outcry and shaming, Shake Shack returned the loan, and since then the U.S. Treasury has tightened the rules now requiring companies to, quote, certify in good faith, end quote, their economic need for the loan. So, let's talk about why this matters. In a sentence, a quote from Jurassic Park is often considered when lawyers advise a client on a course of action. To co-opt that quote, it would go, quote, Your lawyers were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should, end quote. That almost 30-year-old pop culture reference is actually something we've mentioned a few times. There are a number of courses of action readily available to clients, but a lawyer's job not often taught in a textbook is advising a client more holistically on what course of action is best. The same way you may consider a landlord applying to the court to have a tenant company wound up for failure to pay rent during a lockdown as maybe not the best course of action, yet legal, the same can be said for this story. Yes, it is arguably the regulatory team's work to consider what relief options are available to the company during this time, And I would argue that them applying for and receiving that loan, especially without the updates to the regulation, was legal, but in retrospect, legality shouldn't have been the only concern. Regulatory teams are often on this tightrope, as are lawyers in general. You want what is best for your client, and sometimes what is best is not always what is most clearly financially profitable, as this story has shown. Reputation is quite important, especially in times of crisis, illustrated by how quickly Shake Shack and other large businesses who were granted a loan returned the money. For that reason, this allows us to clearly illustrate the other side of legal work, best summarized by that co-opted Jurassic Park quote. Ultimately, this won't be the last trending topic of outrage over something a company has done, whether it be with employees or customers or the law. But in the future, when you do see a story of this kind, ask yourself about the lawyer's role in the decision. And if you were the one to advise a client on the same course of action, would you have done or said something differently? Not only will it be important in practice, but the same reputational considerations could be necessary for you to mention in any role play or mock scenarios presented to you for an assessment center. Credit for this story goes to Alice Hancock. This has been the Commercial Awareness Podcast. Please be sure to follow, subscribe, and rate the podcast on your listening platform. It goes a long way. Also, recommend it to a friend.
If you need to contact me, the podcast email address is on the first line of the episode description. And the podcast Instagram page is at commawarepod, that is C-O-M-M-A-W-A-R-E-P-O-D, if you prefer to contact me there or just want to follow the podcast there for any updates. The podcast Instagram page is also a way to interact with the podcast where you can participate in polls to reflect on past episodes and suggest topics for future episodes. Other than that, thank you for listening, and you'll hear from me next week. I hope you're staying safe and staying inside.